Most bankers aren't ready to help you until after their third cup of coffee. But with Central National Bank's after-hours service, you don't have to wait for the bank lobby to open to get help. You can contact us from 6 to 8.30 in the morning or from 5 to 10 in the evening, and we'll connect you to a real, live, local person who can answer questions and fix problems seven days a week. Bank different. Bank central. Central National Bank. Member FDIC. I'm April. And I'm Caroline. And this is your bloody happy hour. Caroline, are you ready for this? This is your newest guilty pleasure. It's the bloodiest part of your week. Did we say something about it also being happy hour? Showed in. Because we're about to be sipping on some murder. Bloody happy hour. Hey y'all, this is April. And this is Caroline. Thirsty Thursday. I'm so thirsty and you clearly aren't too. <laughs> With your A&W. A&W, not, it's not happy hour for me right now, y'all. April's, she typically drives the struggle bus on Sundays, I think. Yeah, Sundays are hard. Yeah, yeah. Well, I'm not, I'm drinking ranch water. Yay. In a can. Yay. It's really it's Is really it good? good. Yeah. Yeah. So I mean that's exciting. Yeah. The only time in the world that I ever drink a soda is if I have a hangover. And it's gotta be a AW root beer. It's just it. So well, if there... you ever see me with the AW root beer, you know I had a fun night the night before. Even though you don't really know what you did last night. <laughs> I really didn't do anything. I just I don't know what happened. I think I just didn't eat. Maybe and somebody then I had drugged some you. Maybe somebody put something in your. Oh, mm. you were roofied. Yep. Well, you figure that out. There you I'm go. gonna go retrace my steps. Um, yeah, do that, Caroline. Um, how do you like the Four Sigmatic plant-based protein? I um, know you were trying that this weekend. I did. I love it. First of all, okay. What about mental clarity and focus? I'm obviously very cl- mentally clear right now and super focused, as okay. you can tell. I-, I don't think you took yours, but at least I took mine. Okay. Well, um, I like to take things that are really good for me, and that's what Four Sigmatic means. Really, really good for you. Yeah. So another option, if you're not a coffee drinker, there is some plant-based protein. Caroline tried it. She loved it. She's adding it to her new morning regimen. You can get yours at, what's the website? Um, it is go.foursigmatic.com slash happy hour. Slash happy hour. That happy hour gets you 30% off. If you don't want protein, you can get coffee. If you don't want coffee, you can get cacao. cacao. <laughs> uh, okay. hope we didn't deafen anybody there, but yeah. Cacao. So what we got for today? Okay, well, um... Let me just tell you, in March 2012, Ooh. in when Lufkin, Texas police officers pulled over. We're in Texas! But we're really not. Okay. They pull, I want to see if, uh, she doesn't know who we're doing, so I want to see if you can guess it from this blurb. She's Stop cheating. so secretive about this story. 
So when Lufkin, Texas police officers pulled over, uh, pulled someone over, routine traffic stop, the car was going only three miles over the speed limit. But the description of the car, along with the license plates on the vehicle, is what aroused the officers Ooh, and got their aroused? attention. Yes, it's very arousing. Their suspicions were confirmed when they asked for his driver's license, and it showed he was from Anchorage, Alaska. Mm. Then they searched the vehicle, and in the trunk they found a ski mask, zip ties, a cell phone, and a debit card. Israel Keys. With the name ah! Samantha Koenig, who had been reported missing thousands of miles this away. This is a big story. I know. That's, that's why you weren't that's ready? That's why I wasn't ready. Oh, let's do it, because I've only heard here a little bit about him, but I'm excited. Let's do it. So, on February 1st, 2012, a guy in Anchorage, Alaska, went to pick up his girlfriend, Samantha, from work. Okay. She worked at a small coffee stand called Common Grounds. So this stand was like a standalone um, stand, kind of like a snow cone stand. That, that's kind of like how we would, you know, yeah. just alone in a parking lot. So when he gets there, the lights are off and Samantha was nowhere inside, nowhere to be found. So he was like, mm, maybe somebody else picked her up. And then he noticed that he had a text on his phone from her that said, hey, I'm spending a couple of days with friends. Let my dad know. And so they had been dating for like nine months at this time. And he's like, mm, this just doesn't seem like her. This is out of character. This is weird. Something's going on. So he calls her dad and is at letting him know and asking if he has heard from her. And dad says, no, he hasn't heard from her. So they get in touch with the owner of the coffee stand. And then the owner lets him know that they have surveillance footage. And then they go through the surveillance footage. And okay. it's terrifying. April, I'm going to send you the surveillance footage. Can you? <laughs> yes. Can you tell me what you see in this video? Okay, so police get in touch with the owner of the coffee stand, and he says that they have surveillance video, and so they they call the, the police, um, get the footage, and they start looking at it, and this is what they see. Um, it's an 11-minute video. I have it posted on our on the episode description. So around the 142 mark, you can see Samantha getting coffee for someone who walks up to the window, and everything seems normal. She serves the coffee. Then she turns around to look at something almost as if, like, somebody pointed to something behind her, and she turns back to the counter looking like startled. So she kind of jumps back and raises her hands up in the air. And then she walks across the stand. She turns off the lights, which makes it so much harder to see. Um, and then around the three thirty mark, you can see Samantha taking cash from the register and handing it out the window. So when you see her, like eventually you see her getting onto the floor and then she's there for a while. You can't really tell what's happening. And then around the 7.30 mark, um, you can see the person crawling through the window into the stand with Samantha. And he's wearing a ski mask. So you can only like slightly see what's happening right here just because there's light shining in the stand from outside because, you know, there's no lights on inside. Um, and moments later, you see... 
outside footage of them walking out like to the car um, before they disappear off the screen. Okay. So that's really all. Are we in Alaska? Like, yes. Is this? Okay. Yes. Okay. So two and a half weeks go by and they now have the FBI assisting. So when Samantha's boyfriend receives another text, it's from Samantha's phone. And this is, remember, two and a half weeks after all this happened. The text message says, Connor Park, sign under pick of Albert, ain't she purdy? This is a text. Yes. Connor Park, sign under pick of Albert, ain't she purdy? P-U-R-T-Y. Yes. So this was the first communication that they had gotten from whoever took Samantha. And they had no clue where they... They didn't know what they would find at this Connor Park place. They didn't know if she'd be there, if it would be nothing. They didn't they didn't know. So they go to the park and they find a Ziploc bag pinned to a bulletin board. And inside the bag was a ransom note with the picture of Samantha in that day's newspaper. What? So the ransom note is asking for $30,000 to be deposited into Samantha's bank account. So the FBI and the family pull the money together and they work with the bank to try to figure out, okay, if somebody goes and withdraws this money from ATM, like let's work together and then immediately notify the police. Mm-hmm. So then they can go to that ATM and catch this guy. So this works, but it's not fast enough because they'll get a notification, but then by the time they get to the ATM, the car, or the it's person gone. is already gone and has left the area. So they're just like a little bit behind. So a few days go on, no activity, and finally um, another withdrawal um, happens, and they start popping up over Anchorage, Alaska. There's three of them, and then there's they're hitting the limit. The daily limit is $500. So whoever is just getting the most that they can every day. Every time. Um, and they used a PIN number that was from her card. Mm-hmm. So they're like, okay, is she alive? Look, if they're using her PIN number... Obviously, they w- she has to be there, right? Or she has, or she's told them once, right? At least, yeah. Or they're they, yeah, they just don't know. So they, um, they're still trying to catch him. They still miss him. So then they come up with a plan to, they like put an announcement out to all the officers everywhere. They're like, okay, if there's another transaction, like just kind of stay on the lookout and just kind of post up near these different ATMs around Alaska. Well, the next one is not in Alaska. It's in Wilcox, Arizona. What? And then it's in Lordsburg, New Mexico. And then on March 10th, it's in Humble, Texas. And then it's in Shepherd, Texas. Did I know that he came to Texas? They are tracking this guy as he makes his way across the United States. I mean, yes. He's going everywhere. So from the video, they're unable to identify him since he's wearing a mask. But they do identify a white Ford Focus. Oh, goodness. So they don't put trust out. A man in a focus. Don't trust anybody in any kind of focus. Or Elantra. <laughs> so they put out this alert. I don't know, APB or whatever. Yeah. About a Ford Focus. 
An officer spots this Ford Focus with Alaska plates and tracks him down, and he's waiting for him to make a traffic infraction. This is where we go back to the beginning of the story where some officer was waiting for him to do something. That's why he got pulled over going three miles over the speed limit. Yes. So this this is... Uh, he goes in, he asks for license and registration, and this is when we get the identification of the driver. The name on the card is Israel Keys. Mm. And the officer knew that they had the guy and they linked him to Samantha's abduction. But she's not with him. She's not with him. So who is Israel Keys? Let me tell you. Born in Utah, January 1978, to Heidi and Jeffrey Keys. He was the second of 10 kids. He was the oldest boy. Um, And he he grew up in a very, very uh, religious Mormon family. So when he was a couple years old, they moved out to Washington in this very secluded area, isolated in the mountains. They lived in tents. They had no running water. They had no electricity. The father, uh, their, his, Israel's dad built this one-bedroom um, house for them to uh-huh. live in, um, cabin, and that's where all of them lived. That's a lot of people. So the only place that they ever went really was church because they were homeschooled. The, okay. His mom homeschooled them. And so they're not really getting many interactions with There's already three red flags. Uh, Strict Mormon. <laughs> oh, just Living off the land. Here comes another one. The church they attended was called The Ark, and it was a Christian identity church with racist and anti-Semitic views, which practiced white supremacist ideology. Uh, yep. Yeah. So there yep. you have it. When Israel was a little kid, in order to survive, he and his siblings were made to hunt their food and chop firewood, and they would support the family by working Li- on the farm. Living off the land. They're Living off the gathers. land. Yes, yes. And... Israel would hunt anything with a heartbeat, is what he said. He admitted to skinning a deer alive to some of his friends. And, well, I shouldn't say friends. These are people he knew from church. Okay. Um, And then they were like, this guy is weird. He makes my skin crawl. They'd know, he creeped him out. They He creeped all kid. of them out. Yes. Okay. Yes. So then, around 14 years old, he kind of starts to realize that he's a little bit different. Oh. Because he enjoyed things that the other kids didn't. Like? Like, one time he took a cat into the woods. Oh. oh April got he? so excited. <laughs> you just know what he's about Israel Keys may have something in common <laughs> real quick. <laughs> so he had some other church, ki- church kids with him, and he tied this cat to a tree. Oh, he's good. And he shot the cat in the stomach while the cat is going crazy trying to escape. Israel just stood there laughing and he was like watching this cat struggle with its stomach hanging out. Wow. And he was like, he's just like, what? Why are y'all not laughing? And this (laughs) other kid starts throwing up. And he's like, why are you so traumatized? And so he wondered why they didn't think it was, like, cool or funny. And he was like, okay, maybe uh, y'all don't, I guess I'm different. Uh, yeah. I guess I'm different. 
And he just kept having these evil urges to do stuff like this. And what is one of the main things that describes how he is as a person is he has like the, he has patience and he can just sit and wait. He would go into the woods and he would just, he could sit there for 10 hours, for 12 hours, for 24 hours. To wait for prey. And not move a muscle. He could just sit in silence. Wow. I could Mm -mm. never do that for even two minutes. (laughs) That would be, I would start sweating. So he just started to do this for fun. Along with hunting and killing and torturing animals. Okay. So how many red flags do we have? Uh, At least 17. Yeah, at least 17. So, oh, at this point, he also started to study Satanism and so his father disowned him, and his father was like, you're dead to me. <laughs> but all the other isms were good. Yeah. Racism, anti-Semitism. Yeah. yeah. So <laughs> then we have our, um, now a lot of these are not really 100%. These are guest. We have date ranges for okay. a lot of stuff. So this is between 1995, 1998. He was 17 or 18 years old when he committed a le- when he su- says he committed his first um, sexual assault. Okay. So he was ready to graduate from animals to people. Oh, yeah. I thought you were going to say from homeschool. No, no, animals <laughs> to people. Um, and so one day he's waiting in the woods, and he saw that this girl got separated from her. Friends or family, and so he took that opportunity to snatch her up, brought her into the bathroom, and was planning on assaulting her and killing her. Mm -hmm. But she kind of worked his mind a little bit and started complimenting him. Oh my gosh, you're so handsome! Why are you doing this? You don't have to. You're so good looking. I would go out with you. Blah blah blah. Well, it worked for him this time because he let her go. But then for the next two years, he was so mad. He was like, he beat himself up over it over and over and over and over. Because he let her go. Because he let her go. He's like, why? You're so stupid. Why'd you let her go? You should have finished her off. Wow. Yeah. Did he rape her though? He sexually, his, well, I don't know if he actually, no, yes. Because that was his first First, admitted sexual assault. Yes. So that was his first one, but he did not kill her and he let her go. Then one of the things that we always have in common with our killers is some kind of military service. Yes. So he was about 20 years old, 1998, and he joined the Army. And they say that he, um, this is kind of where he got a lot of his, um, he was really good at being in the Army because he could sit and be still and be patient and wait for something. Yes. So he went to, he served at Fort Lewis, Fort Hood. What? And Egypt. He was known for his heavy drinking, and he was arrested once. He got a DUI, and he also got into a relationship with a girl while he was serving, and they actually had a daughter. Wow. Israel Keys has a daughter. I used to teach with a teacher with the last name Keys. I wonder if that's her daughter. His daughter. Probably. It probably is. It probably is. Oh, it for sure is. I'm like 99% sure. Okay. Yep. Starting a rumor then. Yeah, let's do it. In 2000, he was honorably discharged from the Army. So he was in the Army for about two years. So. Okay, so um, military, 
and then heavy drinking, does this continue on later in life too, like his drinking? I, I, not that I saw anywhere. Okay. Okay. I, 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 I assume it does. He probably sits out there and drinks while he's sitting and waiting. I don't know. That's how he could sit there for so long. But wouldn't he get drunk and pass out? <laughs> or have That's like a hangover? Us. No. Did he us. get a root beer then for the next he day? He probably did get a root beer. So all of this, let's go back to the police have him after they made the car stop and now they have him in custody. Okay. So he, this is where they question him about all, all kinds of like, what's his past? Because they did not think that Samantha was his first. And he's diary at the mouth and telling him everything. Well, kind of. He's kind of like Ted Bundy. So he in total spends 40 hours with law enforcement. There are five interrogation videos. I was going to say, are the videos out there? They're all out there. I was going to put some clips in here, but the ones... It, they're all so hard. You can't understand what they're saying mm-hmm. unless you see it and see the words on the screen. So I even listened to some videos, podcasts and stuff. And anybody that played them, you couldn't understand couldn't anything they were saying. So, Sorry, y'all. They can go But find they're them. all posted. Okay. So he said that his first murder victim is was in 2001. While he lived in Nia Bay, Washington. But it was unknown what the victim, who this victim was. He did tell investigators, though, that Nia Bay was a boring town. So obviously he had to kill somebody there. He claimed that he had murdered a couple while he was living in Washington. And he said that they were buried near a location near a valley. So he's like being very vague. Yes. He claimed that he committed four murders in total while living in Washington State from 2001 to 2007, but then gave investigators very little to go on, and he alluded to two separate murders in 2005 or 2006. Mm. So, I mean, he's just, like, going... He's like the... um, Is it Henry Lee Lucas that was saying all these things he didn't do? So, in 2007, he ended up in Anchorage, Alaska, And this is where he started a construction business called Keys Construction. And he seemed like a normal guy. He was dedicated to his business. He was a family man. He has a daughter and girlfriend. So this was the time. By this time, he was already a serial killer because he had already committed all these murders. But nobody knew about it because he was, like, everywhere. Yeah. So he was, like, robbing banks as well. And he was, like, setting things, places on fire And this is when we find out his hero is Ted Bundy. And the reason he's robbing banks is because he needs money to do all this traveling. Okay. So from Anchorage, he traveled to all over the U.S. And he always wanted to keep attention away from him as he committed the murders. So because he's like needed to fulfill his like cravings and stuff. So he would plan these murders in advance uh-huh. In order to avoid detection. And so he would go and create these murder kits. Yes. Okay. So he would place these murder kits. Basically, they're like Home Depot orange buckets. Mm-hmm. He would put shovels, guns, ammunition, rope, duct tape, Drano, all kinds of random stuff in the buckets. He'd go bury the bucket, and he basically hunted locations. He didn't hunt people. people. He didn't stalk people. He did it based on a location. So he would go and buy all this stuff, go bury it places, and then he would go back to that place 
whenever he was ready to kill somebody. Kill somebody. It's so crazy. You know what? Uh, do you watch Criminal Minds? I mean, did you? Yeah, yeah, I have. Okay. So there's the they they stopped it and then there's a reboot. It's Criminal Minds Evolution that's on Peacock or Paramount Plus right now. So all the the teams back together and they're hunting the season they are hunting an Israel Keys like <gasps> serial killer. So it's in Israel Keys inspired. So he has these skill kits that he buries. Yes. And and so when I was um watching it I was like I'm pretty sure this is Israel Keys inspired. Yes. It's pretty cool. So go that would be good. Is it already it's on? It's good. Yeah. Yeah. Go watch it. Go watch it. So he later admitted to kidnapping a woman on the East Coast in April 2009. He said he I don't know. He said he took her across state lines, buried her in New York. They believe this lady's name is Deborah Feldman. They also believed this is he also robbed another bank. I mean, they're just getting all this random information. Then in June 2011, he flew from he flew from Alaska to Chicago, rented a car and drove more than 900 miles to Essex, Vermont. Oh. So he just like he flew here just to go rent a car here, just to go drive here. I mean, I don't know. He's just doing the most. June 8th, he broke into the home of Bill and Lorraine Courier. There's no rhyme or reason. Okay. Just broke into a home. The case had originally gone cold until Israel was talking to the cops right now and he starts to have his mm -hmm. confession. So he says he broke into their home in the middle of the night, tied them up, drove them to an abandoned farmhouse where he shot Bill before sexually assaulting and strangling Lorraine. Okay. Their bodies were never found until Israel told them about an abandoned farm, uh, an abandoned barn that was just a couple miles away from where their house was. And he said that's where he took them and the police like rushed over to go check out this place. But by the time they were, were there, the barn had already been burned down. There was oh, nothing left. Goodness. No remains were ever found. So you can't really corroborate it. Right. So we still don't have any actual victims. <laughs> oh, God. So that house was demolished. Yeah. So he, he never gives, uh, his exact number of victims, but it's, it is thought to that he has at least 11. Okay. But his last victim was Samantha Koenig. And this would be his undoing. Yeah. He must S change his MO. Well, no, okay. I, no, I, uh, no, I'll tell you why. So they have this, they, you would think, okay, I know what he looks like. You know what he looks like. He He's not like this big, fat, sweaty, hairy. He's not Br Brutos? He's not Brutos. He looks like a, he's like a Koberger. He's just like a normal looking, regular person. Nothing, nothing uh, crazy looking. But he tells officers that he has a persona that he's used and practiced for years. And he says, no one in my life really knows me. No one would ever suspect me. I can be both a killer and a normal family man. Okay, okay. So that's creepy. So he finally decides to, because he's just giving all these hints to these things. Like he finally, and they're, they're wanting him, like, hey, hey, tell us about Samantha. Tell us about like what happened there, what happened there. 
And they were, he was like, well, first of all, you should not expect her to come home because she's already dead. And he was like, she's been dead. She was dead basically the whole time I had her. He got her, her pin number and killed her. He told police that when he decided he wanted to kill someone, it didn't matter who. He said he didn't know Samantha. He didn't stalk her. He didn't know anything about her. He just decided that a coffee stand would be a good place for an abduction. Mm. And this coffee stand just so happened to be the one that stayed open the latest. Mm. And he said he drove by a couple other ones, and this was just the one that he picked. Just just decided to pick it. So he said he went up, ordered his coffee. She gave it to him. He pulled a gun on her, forced himself inside. And what you couldn't see in the video was that he had tied her up with zip ties, um, forced her out, and then he had planned to take her car, but she didn't have her car because she was getting a ride from her boyfriend. Boyfriend. And he didn't realize that. And I guess at the time he's trying to figure out where's her car, she tries to run off and escape. But it wasn't on camera because they had already gone out of the camera screen. And so she tries to run. He... Catches her, tackles her to the ground, um, puts a gun to her side, and they walk to his truck, and that's where uh, nobody heard a thing, and they just drove away. So then he said he kept trying to keep her calm by saying he just was abducting her for the money. He just needed money. That's all he wanted. That's all he needed. He didn't care about her. He just needed money. But that was not true because she's no longer alive. So he convinced her that if she cooperated, everything would be fine. So she did not put up any more fights. Mm. Always fights. Always, always, always fight. So he um, was start, starts asking her, like, hey, where's your car? I need your, like, credit card debt, but whatever you have, give it to me. And she's like, I don't have it. I, and he's like, well, I need your cell phone. And she's like, I don't have that either. She had left her phone in the coffee stand and her and her boyfriend shared a debit card and that was in her boyfriend's truck at their house. Okay. So he doesn't have either of these things. Well, he's like, well, I'm going to need them. So he decides to take her to his shed. So he has a house. He has a shed behind the house. He goes, puts her in the shed, um, ties her up, goes back to the coffee stand Gets her phone. Wow. And also gets the PIN number from her for her debit card, asks for the address for where her boyfriend's truck is because he's going to go get the debit card out of the truck. (laughs) So he's going back to the coffee stand. He's bold. Bold. But he's probably way confident. Extremely. Because he obviously has had a ton of. Yeah. Yeah success oh but just wait so he's going to this truck to get this card the boyfriend sees him the boyfriend sees him starts yelling at him runs back into the house to get somebody to get help Uh and then of course he takes off he's gone and he's got the debit card so he's winning he won oh of course so before he goes back to Samantha, he needs to go test to see if this debit card works. Make sure he got the right pen. Well, he does. He got everything he needed. It worked. It's He's getting money, and now he doesn't care about her. He's done with her. 
So when he gets back to the shed, he sexually assaulted Samantha while strangling her until he killed her. Oh, was that his M.O.? He ha- his M.O. is ha- he has Whatever no he had M.O. in the kill kit. Okay. Yeah, it's that he has no M.O. So he yeah. wrapped her body in a tarp and stuffed her in a cabinet in this freezing shed. Okay. The next morning he woke up, woke up his daughter for school, is takes this, the daughter for school, and this, this is on February 2nd. He's, he had a girlfriend. I don't... Uh, She's, we don't know if she's still there or she is. I, I've heard both. Okay. But wakes up the daughter, brings her to school, and then he has a cruise that's planned. So he goes on his cruise. And she's just sitting in the... She's just in the shed, wow. tied up in this freezing shed. She's dead. Okay. Yeah. So he heads to the airport to go on a cruise. He booked, booked this cruise a couple months ago. On this cruise, he... um. Drove over to, or he, once he goes, once he goes on this cruise, he's done with the cruise. He then goes to Texas. I don't know where this cruise cruise was. He he like went to New Orleans for this cruise and like cruise there, cruise back, goes to Texas. Okay. He robbed and burned a house. He robbed a branch of the Texas National, the National Bank of Texas, and then he drove to Houston to fly back to Alaska. Mm. Okay, so this is where the two and a half weeks is. This is what he did for two and a half weeks where there was nothing that uh, the family knew about. They Nobody heard anything about Samantha. Okay. Cause, and then he goes and does this ransom note stuff. Mm-hmm. Okay. So it's going to tie all back together here in a second. So it's... February 19th, he's back from the cruise, right? He's back in Alaska, and he's returned home, and he's got to do something with Samantha's body. So he takes her body out of this cabinet, and he has sex with her frozen corpse. Oh, that's a whole different type of necrophiliac. A few days later, he applied makeup to her face. Oh, so she Ted Bundy. Exactly, his idol. <laughs> Like, let me try this. Ted Bundy used to yeah. do this. He wanted to make her appear alive. So you know what else he did? He sewed her eyes open with fishing line. Oh, I remember this. And he photographed her. And he put her, he photographed her next to the newspaper from that day. Oh. So the picture in the photograph that he tacked onto the dead. at the dog park, she was already dead with her eyes sewn open. Oh no. Y'all no, gotta no, see no. this picture. It is the creepiest. It is look it. <gasps> wow. Even though I look like it, y'all, it's so bad. It's so bad I'm posting it. You should already see it by now. So this is crazy. And now a word from our sponsors. Welcome to One Star Rewind. 
a new podcast about those dreaded one-star reviews that every business owner hates to receive, but yet every customer loves to read. During this podcast, we will peel back that one-star review to better understand how it happened, when it happened, and what the business owner is doing after receiving that one-star review. This podcast will be about love, hate, and laughter. On One Star Rewind, we will meet with real business owners who will tell their stories and how they do rely on reviews for their business. Follow us on Facebook, Instagram, or download us at roguemedianetwork.com. Please subscribe, but only rate and review for not a one-star review. Join us each time for a new review and a new story. This is Sarah. And I'm Carter. And this is Some of Our Thoughts. We're two Southern sommeliers, and we want to share everything we love and know about wine. We started hanging out during quarantine and cooking and drinking and listening to music, and we just thought this would be a great way to bring everything we know to you guys. We will make wine knowledge and food pairings easy and approachable. So put on your favorite vinyl, grab your favorite glass of wine, tune into our show, and let's have some fun. Wine, wine and vinyl. vinyl. <laughs> so check us out on roguemedianetwork.com or wherever you get your favorite podcast. We'll be talking about a lot. I'm Zach. And I'm Mike. And we have a fantastic new podcast to tell you about. Bros, Foes, and Heroes. It's the two of us looking into the world of comics, breaking down some characters that you may have never heard of, and some that are just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah, so Zach comes up with a character each time, and uh, I go into it just completely blind. I don't know who this person is or what their abilities are or anything, and, and basically I guess we kind of go over their origin story. And just some of the ridiculous stuff that maybe, especially Golden Age stuff. Oh, Golden yeah. Age stuff is always the best. And we will make sure to highlight all of the shenanigans and just absolute weirdness yeah. of everything. Yeah, that's right. So subscribe today and uh, follow us on Instagram at Bros Bros Heroes. And if you don't, I know where you live. Not really, but please subscribe. <laughs> bros and Bros and Heroes. Gonna tell you about pros and foes and heroes. Gonna tell you about. He, yeah, photographed her with this newspaper. So then that's when he includes this photograph with the ransom note to Samantha's family. Yes, what tell April, let me send you this picture. And let me t describe to everybody what you see in this photograph. Oh my God. Now like you look we, at her mouth. Yes. Just knowing like her eyes are all the way open. 
wide. Yeah, it's freaky. Wide open. It's freaky. April, so. how has she been dead for two weeks and she looks like that? Well, you told us. Because she was frozen. Frozen? So then that keeps the corpse looking decent, I guess. And he put on makeup. Oh, I can't. I can't, can't. So he puts this photograph with the ransom note to Samantha's family telling them to deposit this $30,000. Remember we talked about this earlier in the bank account and they, um, if they ever wanted to see her alive again, um, this is when he, remember he wanted to get the boyfriend's phone or he wanted to get her phone. Yeah. Well, he got her phone because he texted the boyfriend. That's how, did I already say that? He texted the boyfriend telling them, directions to this dog park saying this is where you need to go this is where i have left a photo with the demands okay a few days later israel so he goes he takes the photo posts the picture at the dog park a couple days after that he takes samantha's body cuts her up and dumps her body and the remains in Manatuska Lake near mm. Anchorage. So she's chopped up in the lake. And this is still February 19th. Early March, Israel flew to Las Vegas. Wow. He rented a car where he drove to Arizona. And what? he used Samantha's debit card two days later on March 9th. This is when he's like making all these withdrawals. And this is when they... He ended up in Texas, and they ended up finding him in this Ford Focus. How would he fly to Vegas only to drive to Arizona? <laughs> I don't know. Uh, you know what? He probably went to go bury some more buckets. He was planting some. Wow. So he, this is when he gets pulled over. He's finally arrested on March 31st, admitted to abducting her uh, at the coffee stand, he said he would give them details on where they could find her body because they didn't know where her body was still. Mm-hmm. He only knows he dismembered her and put her in this lake. Um, and he was like, I'll give you the details on where she is and all the other crimes I committed, but only if you give me assurance that I will be executed within a year. I don't want to live in prison. I don't want the story to be sensationalized because I don't want my daughter to know about the things yeah. I did. Okay. So that was his whole thing. He didn't want daughter to know. Eventually, he told authorities where he could find her body. And a few days later, the remains were found at the lake. Piece by piece, they brought her up from the water and took her home for her family to be able to lay her to rest. So throughout all these interrogations, like we have all these video interrogations, five of them, he shows zero emotion, zero, zero remorse, and... He told them that he feels nothing for his victims. Feels nothing. But it's interesting that he has this daughter and he's so concerned about his daughter. Yeah. So they go back and forth with police or he goes back and forth with police, giving them hints about other crimes he's committed. He's like, oh, something might be interesting. And, you know, like at a lake in Washington or, you know, I have this, there's this property out in New York. I mean, he's just teasing them the whole time. And they... He tells them there are victims of missing persons cases that you will never think of connecting to me. And so 
make sure you do what I tell you to do or else I'm not going to tell you basically okay. is what he was saying. Okay. So they keep finding out all these little bits and pieces of his story and that they find out that throughout the whole country he has these kill kits and he would leave it there for the next time that he came along and all of his victims were victims of opportunity like Samantha. He never knew them. He didn't stalk them. He just picked a time and a location that he thought was ideal. Some of them were, sometimes it was in the woods. Sometimes it was just somebody who randomly came across his path. Wow. And sometimes it was a house with no dog and no lights that made it, and it was easy to be, um, to sneak into, like through a window and something that was just an easy target. He is an opportunist. Yes. It never mattered to him. Male, female, he had no regard for age, race, and his M.O. was to have no M.O. <laughs> Damn. His, anywhere, I mean, so there's no rhyme or reason to anything he did. He operated everywhere, leaving no one safe. I remember when I first heard the story. That's why they didn't know about him. And everything that they do to, like, profile, like, you couldn't profile him because no. he didn't have a type. You couldn't, like, find his kill zone because it's everywhere. This is the, out of all the stories I've ever done or things I've listened to, this was always the one that was the scariest. This is scarier than BTK. This is scarier than Ted Bundy. Mm -hmm. And I even, like, as I was going over, like, doing research for it, it was, like, last night and I, or night before last, I remember waking up and I just was like, oh my gosh, I need to go lock my door. What if somebody can't? And then I was thinking about Koberger and I'm like, <laughs> oh my gosh, how scary would it be if somebody actually did come into my house? And like, with oh, the, I would just, I, fr I like freaked myself out and I don't ever do that. <laughs> it's always this case it's that him. does it because I remember listening to it a long, long, like several years ago and it just, this like, Unassuming, like you have no reason. There's no reason, and rhyme is the worst and the scariest. Yeah, yeah. scariest, scariest, scariest. And the fact that he went on a cruise, so it's like, who are we cruising with when we go on these cruises? I don't know. I it's think so he's normal. just cruising by himself. So he did say that he did sexually assault all of his victims. Okay, it didn't matter. He would have sex with men. He would do necrophilia, and he didn't want to talk about all of that because he did not want all these details to come out to the public. But he is giving them names. Some, no? some. Some names, okay. yeah. So this is like the finally the FBI are thinking that he's one of the most prolific serial killers the U.S. has ever known, but it's like nobody, nobody has really hears about him. Because in December of 2012. That's the same year he got caught. Yes, it is. Because a prison guard noticed a red, strange red colored streak coming out of the floor near his prison cell. Mm. And he was found lying down, lying face down in his cell covered in blood. He slit his wrist. With a razor blade that was found near his body. Who gave him that? Somebody gave I don't him. know. And then for good measure, so he would get like 
top ratings for his killing, he laid on his stomach and tied a bedsheet noose around his neck. Then with his left left leg back, he tied the other end of the sheet to his left ankle to this ensured that once he lost consciousness due to blood loss, that the force of his leg lowering back down to the ground would, would make sure him. that it would have the noose that would choke oh around his God. neck and strangle him. So if the razor didn't do a good enough job, he was going to make sure that he hung himself. <laughs> oh, God. What? The police say they have no idea how he got this razor blade, but, I mean, prison, I don't know. People yeah. get stuff all the time. So he did leave behind a four-page note, but it was basically like a suicide note, but it was basically a bunch of ramblings and no answers and uh, basically it was like a tribute to him and all of his murders but oh. it, it 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 gave it was just stupid in a manifesto it, it was the worst no it was terrible he um basically was just a very very super disturbed guy um obviously and unfortunately several of these murders and crimes will go unsolved and nobody will be able to get the answers um and they're just going to be unknown yeah yeah. forever and you can't even officially tie them to him i think i think four was the number of maybe uh, remains of people they found but Mm. 11 was the number of people that he probably gave 11 names but they only found Remains of four people. Okay, okay. But he claimed to have done more than that. Damn. I know. Did they find all the kill kits? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. Oh my goodness. But this is, he is one of the scariest. What if you're just like digging? Somebody's building a house and they uncover a They probably will. Kill kit. They probably will. And didn't he have like the exact coordinates or something of where they were like oh he kept his yeah own, i think he did yeah yeah i think he did his own um map i think of where his kill kits were so apparently also the it was very uncharacteristic of him to do the samantha because she lived right there with where he like she lived in alaska uh-huh. and so they were like why like they just like you were asking like why would you do that and they were because it was like uncharacteristic of him because he's such a planner. Yeah. And um, I listened to, I don't even know what this show was called. I just found it on YouTube. Um, but they said that the his belief was he was out of sync with this killing persona that he that he had na- nurtured. And he said he did this, but not because he, some say he did this because he wanted to get caught. Yeah. But then they said that they found details of his... Um, on a home computer of his earlier murders, which was the couriers. And that like somehow revealed details of his MO and his game plan that were just revealed more information about this whole story. And I, I don't know. I don't know how, I just don't know why he would, why he would stay there and do it. I guess it was just opportunity. I guess they, um, well, are you, you were just, I think he wanted to be caught. And a lot of times, especially because they want glory all the yeah. time, right? And it's, some people get off on that because they can turn on the news. Like some killers can turn on the news and see their work there, you know, and be glorified that way. 
but he was never glorified because nobody ever knew he even existed or or anything. But then he said he didn't want people to know or didn't want the press to come and know and because he didn't want his daughter to know. So then he Just didn't want to be glorified. Just the daughter. But he talked. Enough. I know. I know. I just it's he's it's like contradicting of, himself. Yeah. I don't know. But for but him he, to get for outside he, of his his MO that's not an MO. Like he broke his own rules. Yeah. Basically is you don't kill anybody who's attached to you, could be tied back to you or near your little area. Yeah. Um so he broke his own rules and he got caught. I think he just got real cocky. Yeah. Wow, wow, wow. So there's Israel Keys. Israel Keys. It was yeah, like it's like a map. Like a normal it's, it's well it's it's hard to to do him because it's not like you just don't really 100% know. You're just going based on what you have from the interrogation videos. Yeah. And wrapping it up into a little ball. So it's like kind of all over the place, but then it like comes back together. And that's why he's probably not very popular yeah. either because yeah. like people like victims. I, we like numbers. Yeah. I like, yeah. we like details. Yes. And he and, and I don't like people who kill themselves and then you don't get the answer. Yeah. And then you're like, well, you're stupid. Yeah. Yeah. If you're going to do it, just tell people. If you're going to do it and you get caught. Tell it all. Just tell it. Yes. You're already caught. You're already in jail. No, you're just going to, okay, kill yourself. Well, then fine. Tell it all. People need their closure. That's what they better make sure to keep a close eye on Koberger. I ain't trying to have him commit suicide. No. Because we have to wait until June. I think he's too cocky to do it right now. Maybe later. Maybe later. Wow, that was good. You've had two. We've You guys had two serial, serial killers, killers in a row. You're welcome. And there's a little bit of Texas in there. A little bit of every state. So you're welcome to every state. Yeah, you're welcome to every state. So much. So much. Um, so, you know, it's Sunday. And I like a lifetime on Sundays. I know most people watch football. Oh. So I just watched the Lorena Bobbitt. I was kind of falling asleep to it. Remember Lorena Oh, Bobbitt? yes, I remember Lorena Bobbitt cutting <coughs> off her husband's dangling. I never really knew the whole story. I, so that's yeah. crazy about because he was totally an ass and, like, was very much abusive to her. And she so she off. snapped and cut it off, yeah. And then after that was um, Lori Vallow. Oh, gosh. But when I'm watching it, there's advertisings for Gwen Shamblin. Oh, no. Yes, there's a movie. And the girl that's playing Gwen Shamblin. Oh, it's a movie? It's a Lifetime movie that's coming out about Gwen, the whole Gwen Shamblin story. So, but the woman who plays her sounds like her and looks like her. And, like, (gasps) the hair just keeps getting bigger and bigger as you go through the trailer. Yeah, so there was that one, and then there was... Y'all, if you oh, don't know who Gwen Chamberlain more. is, I'm gonna need you to crawl out of your rock under out of underneath your rock, and first go listen to our episode. Yes, and then you can go watch the documentary on on HBO because it is that is still one of my favorite stories. Damn it! And then there was another one that it's a story that we covered that they're making a Lifetime movie out of it, and I can't even remember what it is. So I'll have to tell y'all next episode. But I was really excited <sighs> about Gwen Chamberlain. What does she say? Praise God. Praise God. 
I need a, what is the line she says? Eat. On the thing, it says, you don't need food, you need Jesus. <laughs> you don't need food, you need Jesus. She was a diet Praise cult. God. <laughs> oh, oh, yeah. She had her book. She had everything. Yeah. And then she died in a plane crash. So the devil she was after her. Going to a Trump rally, right? She was going to sit Trump Except rally. with her husband, who whose flight uh, flying license was like revoked and all this stuff, and he's like some fake actor. We're gonna go to Austin next week for the story. Oh, yes, Austin. Mm. And let's just say, hook 'em horns. Hint, hint, hint. All right, mm. y'all. If you have not already, um, rate us, review us, and subscribe to us. Also, go to McLennan County's Mugshots page and look at our ad over there. We just wanted, we wanted to be on that page, but we didn't want to be arrested, so we just <laughs> advertised on there. That was so much fun. That was great. And if you want to buy us around for next week, so I'll be drinking next week again, then you can Venmo us, Bloody Happy Hour, or Cash App us, Bloody Happy Hour, and we will shout you out. Also, last but not least, if you want us to do some live reads for your business or your your whatever you do, your service that you do, we have sponsorship opportunities available. So also email us about that. Anything else? Um, you can send us your Dirty Chad t-shirt designs. Yes. <laughs> Coming right along. Coming right along. We will see y'all soon. Don't forget to stay aware, stay alive, and always be DTF. Bye. Bye. This has been a Rogue Media Podcast. Podcast.